Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Jamie Carragher, and you are listening to the Copy Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Copay Podcast and another stat show. We're keeping up our running streak of Liverpool winning games and stat shows getting done. I know we haven't done one for a, for a while, but we're back with another one. And what a what a game it was! And of course, I'm joined by Mike from Opta. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, heart rate's just about come down after Sunday, <laughs> so I'm I've recovered. I'm doing all right. <laughs> and yeah, especially working that game, like it must be mad. Like just constantly. Just seeing what stats are happening and whatever, and the games happening. Having to have your work so head much. on while Liverpool are going three-two down <laughs> at home to Fulham is not easy. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's just a. I mean, it's one of them where it's like you move on for it, and you get, like you try and fix the deficiencies with the defense and whatever. But the winning the game was the was the big thing, especially like with the city. City going on to draw, and of course Arsenal continuing to march on. So we needed to keep pace with them, but. A mad, a mad game, and I just thought we'd start then because there's there's quite a few niche ones, and I know a few shouts on social media because we the the Biscan one's too good not to talk about, which we'll get to in a <laughs> bit. Don't worry, I, I needed to talk about Eagle Biscan at some point on this show, so it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, but the stats you sent me over were, yeah, I think you could see like Liverpool in terms of like big chances and stuff, and of course possession and passes. We're always we're always gonna have. Um, we're going to be dominant in those areas, but I think the having the big chances and and converting those big chances, I think, was something that we need to we need to get better at, especially going into games when you've got United coming up, we've got Arsenal coming up. We need to 
when those big chances present themselves, we need to start putting them away because in those in those tighter games, I say United games going to be tighter. It won't be. We should battle them again. But Arsenal game, especially those type of games, like you need to you need to be making the chances count, don't you? Basically, yeah, yeah, because uh, that's the sort of key takeaway from the stats of the game. Liverpool had obviously one four three, but had far more shots, twenty six shots to Fulham's nine shots on target, twelve to five. Twelve is a lot of shots on target in one game. Um, touches in the box 40 to 16 XG 2.2 to 1.2 so Liverpool were value for the win um, it's just the, the way they got it was a bit uh, scary for us all but yeah the big chances Liverpool had four didn't score any and obviously Klopp talked about how all four goals were worldies in the end or albeit one eventually given their own goal but four big chances didn't score whereas Fulham had two big chances scored them both and that's what put Liverpool under pressure um, so yeah, you're right. In an ideal world, we need to start when we get four big chances. Not necessarily score four, but at least get two of them in, and it just makes a game go from scary and needing late winners and a comeback to it have been a much more comfortable win had we just taken those chances. Yeah, I think the Nunes one again. I think if he just takes. He likes to get through and absolutely well here as hard as he can. I think if he takes ten percent off that, he might hit the bar and go in. He might hit the top of the net. It's just, and I think the Salah one, which we just were talking about before we started recording, I think that's one that again he's similar to Nunes and he gets loads of chances for himself. And I guess he puts most of them away, and that's why he's one of the one of the best in the world. But I feel like that one. I think when that one didn't go in for me, that's when I was really thinking it's just not going to be our day. Yet. If if Salah's in no positions and he can't score them. And it's like you're starting to think maybe it's just going to be one of those days, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I said to you before we started recording, I don't think Salah has ever been actually a ridiculously clinical finisher. If you look at finishers Liverpool have had in the past, Sturridge was an unbelievable finisher. Um, I don't think Salah's that calibre in terms of the quality of his finishing. He just is so good at getting so many good quality chances that he scores more than anybody else, um, other than obviously Haaland at the minute in the league. So that that's why he's such a good goal scorer. It isn't because he's a Son Hun Min who's really clinical when he gets a chance. He's just one of those where he gets so many chances, he's bound to put some away. Um, and yeah, the, the, the one at the weekend, he'll be disappointed he, he didn't score it himself, especially when he's chasing all the records. He's won away from 200 goals, obviously. So that would have put him on 200 as well, which he will be in his mind, by the way. He's that kind of player where that record will be in his head that he wants to get to 200 goals. I'm, I'm sure, certain of that. And the Nunez one, it's hard when, we, we, I mean, obviously none of us can run fast as Nunez, but you know when, you, when you've played football yourself, when you're running full pelt, how hard it is to control a, a, any sort of pass, control, shot, anything you are trying to do when you're running at full pace is hard. I think that's what's happened there. He was just running so fast that he, all he could do was put his foot through it. It's actually a good strike. It is a good strike. Really, it's, it's just come off the bar. Um, there's not a lot more different. I don't think he would have done in if, if you'd have given him that shot again. Because when you're running full pelt, you can't exactly control your shot that well. Like I say, so I'll let. I think you can more than let him off for that. To be honest, because of that sort of the fact that he was running so fast. Yeah, and like you said, no one is. Quite as quick as Darwin in as he is, but he is a proper roadrunner once he gets going. Like he's ridiculous, yeah. isn't he? Um, and yeah, and we can we can talk about the goals and stuff. And I mean, the goal 
for the <laughs> Trent for the for the first one. I think we yeah. can we can just talk about Trent as a collective at this moment because I think like the first one again, it's it's harsh, but it wouldn't have went in if it hadn't it hit Leno technically. But then yeah. the, his second in inverted commas to to win the game for us was just again it was him getting pushed into midfield. Gomez comes on, he's kind of shackles were took off, I guess, in terms of bringing Endo onto the field, allowing him to go even further forward and. Yeah, just some of the stats that um, Opta provided LFC on it, and yeah. like his stats and then the breakdown and LFC rank, and you could just see how how influential he was in this game, but how influential he's be, becoming. I know everyone's like linking it to the Preds and whatever, and it's just, it's a laugh and whatever because people saying yeah. since he's like put the Preds on his Gerard and whatever, but like he has in the in recent, especially recent games, he's starting to up the tempo in terms of him just picking the ball from deep and running with it and trying to make stuff happen and I, I love seeing that type of stuff from him and I think you can see from these stats that it was very clear that he was all over the place in terms of, in the best possible way, all over the field. Doing everything. Yeah, yeah. I tweeted something similar against Man City because against Man City the week before he was top for possession one passes into the final third and Jules he was, so he was really getting involved again and obviously he scored in that game. It's actually the first time he's scored in back-to-back Premier League games by the way. Um. But again, against Fulham, he was top for possession one for Liverpool, top for passes in the final third. Um, he was second for shots, which isn't something we used to see him with him. Top for dribbles, which that's really not something he normally does. But he's he's got this ability now, I think. He's found this ability to run past players, which is not something I don't think he's necessarily had in his arsenal for his whole career. Um, but he's finding that, and I don't know if that's this sort of new role that he's playing has, has given him more opportunity to do that. But yeah, second for passes as well, second for how far he ran in the game. Um, I, personally, I think at, the, at this moment in time, he's certainly one of the top 10 players in the world, how well he's playing just as an all-round player. Because the, the varied stats that we're showing there, he's not just top for passes and, and shooting and things, he's top for possession one. So he's, he's actually recovering the ball back for Liverpool so, so often. Um, and he's just sort of doing everything. It's almost like he's taken people comparing to Somersly to Gerard personally and said, no, hang on. <laughs> uh, it's, it, that's, that's me, I'm the scouser. Um, Vice-captain, going to be captain. And um, yeah, so I, it's he's, he's just brilliant to watch at the minute and long may it continue. Yeah, I think the dribble one's interesting. Cause I, I, like I said, they're like the, he, he has got the ability now to... Pick her up and blast away from people. I know, like in that when he was, I guess, in more, more of that right back position, it's a bit more rigid in terms of. Yeah, you've only got one way to. I mean, you could cut inside and use his left foot, which is just as good as his right foot in, yeah. in certain moments. It's ridiculous, but he's got like this more expansive space where he can burst from, and I think we're, I'm loving seeing that from him. And I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to have to rely on him doing that all of the time because I think we were we relied on Gerard for doing that for for over 10 years we don't want to have to just solely run him to yeah. get out the shit but if he's got those capabilities and he, he's put into those positions even more especially if we're chasing a game like we were and you bring on a Gomez and you can allow him to go fully um full throttle and and and, and make those type of dribbles then it's yeah it's it's boss to see it really is um and yeah the, the game was again like we said it was just a bit of a just a bit of a crazy one we got one nil up it's one one two two uh, two one, two two, could be three two off offside in that mad space yeah. that was like the twelve minute. What was it? Ten twelve minutes of added on time, first half. Um, but the McAllister one, um, and of course then the Endo one. 
is interesting because you posted the start and we, we have to come to Igor Biscan at this moment in time. It's Igor Biscan and Xabi Alonso, but the start is just again, I've just got that um I've got that Snoop uh, meme on red on just ready for you. Like this this motherfucker don't miss. I've just got that ready for you whenever you post anything. I'm just ready with the quote tweets. Oh dear. I do appreciate that. That's, it does make me laugh every time I see that one. Um but yeah, so basically because McAllister and Endo obviously both scored from outside the box and it was their first Premier League goal. I know Endo's got one in Europa League, but first Premier League goal. So the last time two Liverpool players scored their first Premier League goal for Liverpool from outside the box in the same game was also against Fulham, weirdly enough, one of them weird coincidences in 2004, the 4 season at Craven Cottage. Liverpool were actually 2-0 down in that game and won 4-2. Uh, and Xabi Alonso and Igor Bishkan both scored their first Premier League goals and both were outside the box. Um, Alonso was a free kick and uh, Bishkan was sort of a late goal, breaking down. It was only just outside the box, actually. I watched it back the other day um, um, when I, after I posted it and it was just about outside the box. Um, but so, yeah, it's a weird one where of all the players to get into a start, Igor Bishkan's probably not top of your list where he's going to be breaking many records but it's just a, a little niche one that means nothing but it's just an interesting one that a lot of people quite like on, on Twitter anyway Yeah I think um, like was it last week you had Dan Hutchinson um, and then <laughs> you've got Ego Biscan so yeah. I mean it is it is mad some of the like yeah it is it's just weird like that one and like the Fulham link and whatever it is mad the way yeah. sometimes like these things uh, just repeat themselves in a, in a weird way um, but yeah and, and the other one that I, I loved is the like the distance the ball travelled, so like uh, McAllister's shot was the longest um, by by a Premier League um, in a Premier League game for a Liverpool player since a certain Divock Origi. Um, I, thought, I just, I mean, I know you said before we started recording, like it's not like a, it's not a fine art the um, the distance <laughs> on it, but yeah, again, yeah. it's just one of them that is. I mean, people love and I I love it as well, especially. Um, yeah, it's longest range for a player's first goal for Liverpool since. Um... Origi, which a few people actually got confused in people saying, what about Salas against Man City? It was miles out or things like that. But that wasn't his first local goal, obviously. So for a first goal, basically longest range first goals is what the tweet was sort of about. And Origi's was a massively deflected one, which is why it was so long range and and the ball travelled so far. Um, So McAllister's on record to have distance from 2006 or seven. It's actually the sixth furthest for a player's first Premier League goal for Liverpool. This was twenty six point eight yards. Um, like like you just said, it's not really that precise the sort of distance it's at because you've got to know the length of every pitch. Every Premier League pitch has a different length, so it might look a certain distance from goal and be, actually be a bit different. So it's not too precise. Um, but the the top six are Origi's top actually in that time for that thirty two and a half yards that one. Um, and then there's John Joe Shelby scoring against Chelsea. Emery Chan against Chelsea and Jermaine Pennant against Chelsea. They're, they're the others in the top four. Then Daniel Agger, which is a memorable memorable goal against uh, West Ham, his first goal. And then McAllister in sixth, for furthest out for a first goal. So if not so how many people will remember those goals, um, a few of them more memorable than others. Um, but yeah, some nice goals in there anyway, and some lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, I think when you sent me over that, I was like instantly you think of 
yeah, you think of Pennant and you think of Aga because the Pennant yeah. one was a lovely little chest and then volley barring in. Uh, Aga one was just yeah ridiculous. Like yeah. you just like this fella's like not not just the Rolls Royce with the ball and the great left foot. He's all can also score from ridiculous yeah, yeah. Uh, levels. But I think I, I guessed for the I think I said for the um, I think I, I expected the Cham one to be waffling. I was thinking it can't be because it's it's it wasn't his his first, first goal. Team. So it's yeah. like it's it's getting confused with that bit. But yeah, um, and that kind of links into. Another one that that you posted, um, and you mentioned John Joe Shelby against against Chelsea, um, yeah. and yeah, the first time Liverpool have scored plus four games without a forward scoring, and yeah, back in May 2012, again another one that it's just quite niche, but again, it's just because it's so niche, and it's mad. It's it's a good one as well. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I just didn't, I just thought, you know, the amount of times. When I go on LFC TV, Neil Mellor says to it all the time, he always goes like, oh, um, it's always our forward scoring. We never get a midfielder getting the goals or a defender. Whereas in this game, we didn't actually have one of the strikers score. I thought, when was, when did we last score four goals? And I was actually trying to think in my head without like Salah or Firmino or Mane getting on the score sheet or more recently Diaz or, or Jota. Um, so, I, so I had a look and yeah, it was Chelsea May 2012 after the FA Cup final 4-1 win. SEN own goal, John Henderson, John Joe Shelby, which is one of them, which is the link between the long range because it was his first goal and it was the second longest range by a player's first Premier League goal on record for Liverpool. Um, and Daniel Lager again in that game. Um, so he was well into his Liverpool career by that stage. But yeah, so that was the last time. Um, so, which is, I, I'm quite glad it's so good in a way that we don't have to didn't have to rely on the forwards to get the goals. We, we that If players like McAllister and Alexander-Arnold, you're not expecting them to score worldies every game. Like To be honest, if McAllister's planning on shooting from there every game, I think Klopp will tell him to not do that because, you know, XG's a thing now and we know that they're very unlikely to be scored those kind of chances. But it's great for the crowd to see them fly into the top corner and uh, it'll be a goal he remembers for the rest of his life, that's for sure. It was an absolute beauty. So, yeah, another niche but nice little stat. Yeah, because I think instantly everyone after the games then thinking like, what's the when's the last time like four belters were in the same game? I think it's like yeah. the easy one to think of is Suarez, isn't it against against Norwich where he Norwich, scores yeah. he scores four, and it's just like yeah, it it is it was mad like when when the first one goes in and the second one and then taking the shot like the endo one was just again having the balls to hit that I think in itself when you're when you when you're um, down in the game I mean, that shot needs to go in when the, with the clock ticking is a massive one and um, yeah I think and at that point as well especially 3-2 um, there's another start that you, that you sent over like 
like it was the latest that we'd went behind in a in a um, Premier League match and went on to win. I think that's a I think that's a good one to finish on because I think it shows it shows that we had some defensive frailties in the match definitely and we could have been a mm. lot better. But it also I think goes into feeds into the notion about this like rejuvenated and reinvigorated Liverpool like showing a bit of mentality and it could have easily went the other way. We could have easily drew that game or potentially lost that game the way it was going. But to have the yeah, I guess the character to to get back in the game and 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 to win it, it was a, mm. it was a, I mean, it was massive, especially the, the way we're going this season. I think you just said it there. I think that the character is the thing because last season I don't think we'd have won that game. No, in fact, I'm certain we wouldn't have won Absolutely that game. No. <laughs> um, so, so that is a massive step forward in terms of where we are compared to this time last year, a year ago. Um, and yeah, so 80th minute, we fell behind Bobby Reed, Bobby Cadover Reed scoring. Um, and we thought, oh my God, we're going to lose at Anfield here only the second time in front of a crowd in like six, seven years. Um, and yeah, so that was the latest Liverpool had fall, ever fallen behind in a game in the Premier League. So from 1992 and then won the previous record, I told you before. Um, Mick was uh, against Portsmouth 2009, if people remember that, 3 2 win. Torres header in the 91st minute, um, but Liverpool fell behind in the 78th minute in that game um, and then managed to come back to win it. So it broke that record. Um, so it's very, it doesn't happen often where you can afford to go behind that late on in a game and, and come from behind. So respect to the players for managing to do it and not giving it up at any stage. Um, but if they can avoid going behind that late on in games, <laughs> in fact, just avoid going behind, lads, it would, would be a. Certainly, when I'm working, it would be a major help for my heart. <laughs> I know, ideally, yeah, I love that one because I think the um, when you said the Portsmouth straight away, I was just like, I don't know, if it's just because I'm a just a nerd, and I just knew straight away it was Torres, and I could see it straight. I could see that goal straight away. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool. It was a it was a massive win. It's one of them, like I said earlier, like just. It, the win was all we needed, but the performance is sort of left a little bit to be or a lot to be desired, and it's something that we can work on, especially when we're going to um, Bramall Lane tomorrow. What are, you, what are your thoughts going on to, into that then? Because we haven't we haven't done a show for for a couple of weeks in Liverpool. Like like, like I said, they're in a, a decent position. We're only two points off Arsenal after fourteen games. City are one point behind. You've got um, Aston Villa two points behind. So. I think when we done a show earlier in the in the season or before the season started, we were kind of discussing like what this Liverpool is capable of, and we didn't really know and unknown mm-hmm. quantity and all those all those words. And I think the more the weeks go on, you're seeing. I mean, not having Allison was again is massive, and it will continue to be so until he's back. But yeah. I think Liverpool's still getting it over the line in games, and and only being two points off off the top after 14 games is. Is a far cry from the start of last season, where I think we only had, I think it was twenty points after fourteen games. So, yeah, um, yeah, a massive improvement, and the, the work that we've done in terms of transfers and stuff, and having to make those transfers in midfield, I think, is a massive. Um, well, it's a, it's a massive testament of the work we've done and the work we're continuing to do. Yeah, I think I think we'll ultimately find out a lot more now over this period. Now there's no more international breaks. There's no more. Um, there's only one more Europa League game, and and it's a dead rubber for Liverpool. We're already top of the group, so we can literally rest everybody, and it won't matter. Um, uh, so I think now over these next few weeks until the FA Cup starts in January, teams will really start to have more of an idea of where teams are going to be fighting at the end of the season. Um, I actually think this this period now for Liverpool, Sheffield United on tomorrow, 
and Palace on Saturday, which is a Wednesday, Saturday lunchtime turnaround, by the way, which is a bit rubbish, especially away at Palace. That's a tough place to go. Um, so it's not ideal. But if Liverpool can come through this period and still be up there, then maybe you can start to be a bit more optimistic into the fact this team can challenge for a title, especially with, you know, Thiago to come back. Hopefully Jota in the new year would, would come back, players like that. Um, but yeah, obviously we've just had the announcement with Sheffield United that they've brought in Chris Wilder and sat Paul Heckingbottom, which I think everyone sort of knew was coming. So typically they get a new manager bounce and with Wilder having been there before, I think Bramall Lane will be really up for that. He's, he's loved in Sheffield, really. Well, certainly the United half of Sheffield, maybe not the Wednesday half, but um, yeah, he's, he's loved there. He's well-remembered there. He got them to the Premier League, of course, in his first spell. Had a pretty pretty good record, really, other than that final season where Sheffield United went down. Um, so hopefully um, Liverpool's quality can override that the fact that you know, they've got this new manager, Bramall Lane will be absolutely bouncing under the floodlights, kick off, it'll be a cold night again. Um, so hopefully Liverpool can show the quality and, and ignore that, ignore that, certainly get through that wave of, you know, Sheffield United being really up for the game and a new manager. Um, and to be honest, I don't really care about the performance of these next two, Sheffield United and Palace, just win them. It really doesn't matter. I, I, you, you know, you're agreeing, I can see them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's in a way for this game. I'm I'm initially just drawn straight back to the Luton game. I think that's one yeah. that, in a weird way, can, could have has provided like a little bit of a dress rehearsal for some of these games that were away games that we're going to be going to. Under, like you said, under the floodlights, freezing cold. You need to be up for it from minute one because they'll be they, they will be, and I think you need yeah. to be like you need to be matching their um, energy, but also showing the quality that like we've got and stuff. And I think the Luton game we thankfully didn't lose it i think hopefully this one is one where like you said it's just annoying the way like new manager comes in just before like i know it's like still not ideal for them because a, a, a new guy coming in so so close to having a having a game of footy but yeah i think it's gonna it can help spare them on a little bit and i think especially like being bottom of the league and, and five points off from 14 especially when everton have had the 10 point deduction and that they're still they're still bottom of the league i think it's they need to start getting points on the board and they'll I guess be looking at the Luton game and looking like at at the at the Fulham game and going, you can get at Liverpool if you if you play in this way if you do certain things. So I think they might be looking at us and we'll be targeting those areas and we just need to be ready for that to, and pouncing on on them expecting us to do certain things. Yeah, you just got to remember that Liverpool haven't beaten a promoted team away from home since the start of last season. Even last season there was defeats at Forest, defeat at Bournemouth, and draw at Fulham. So and then the draw will in this season. So we just have this thing at the minute. God knows why against these promoted teams away from home, where we're just not managing to get over the line. And oh, you hope that that comes to an end um, against Sheffield United. And the other thing is away from home in general. Liverpool only two wins out of seven this season in the Premier League away from home. Tough games, only one defeat as well. Been to Man City, been to Tottenham, been to Newcastle, been to Chelsea, been to Brighton. So some tough games in there, to be fair. But two wins out of seven, even from that run of games, if you want to win a league, isn't good enough. Because um, then you really are putting pressure on your home form. Like you put pressure on that Fulham game. If that then isn't a win, then suddenly you're well behind Arsenal because your away form is nowhere near. So that, it's massive, to be honest, these two games, Sheffield United and Palace. Let's get these away, this away form sorted out now. 
um, because then you can then start to kick on a bit more. Um, so I think there is a lot of pressure on it, to be honest, for Liverpool. Um, and I don't want to say that that early in the season, but if you want to be a title-challenging team, the, you have to get points in, in these games. Um, especially when we know how if Man City go ahead, they're not going to lose the league, are they? We know that. So um, just don't let them get ahead. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? It is, and I think that's another point that I made on a show a couple of weeks ago about the away form, and I think, yeah, newly promoted sides, times away away form recently, I think is, yeah, I think we're ninth in the away table, just having a quick look, 10 points from seven, and you've got, you think Spurs are top of it, but they play one more away game, and then you've got City yeah. on 13, um, Arsenal play one game less, and they've already got three points more of us, so I think it's sort of that, I mean, in a way, it's like you can look at it and go, well, that can be improved upon. So it's like, yeah. I think certain facets of our performance we can definitely improve on. I think that is one that if we go and win, like you said, by any means necessary, it doesn't even matter yeah. about the performance. Okay. One, a little one nil, go into this Palace game and try and replicate that in the best way possible. I think it's just churning out those results and building on it, especially when you you get a great point at City, you then get over the line in a crazy game against Fulham. You need to just, it's just about building build momentum. I think we've seen that in like, other forms of Liverpool sides in the past and under Klopp yeah. and I think that's something that it's only early days still of course and where we are is still massively um, encouraging but I think it's something that we need to build on to, to, to try and get where we want them to be as well isn't it? I, I totally agree momentum such a, a massive thing or confidence maybe not momentum as such but that confidence because wins start to breed more wins from that I mean we've seen like you say we've seen that from the best Klopp teams the one that won the league 2019-20 just kept winning games it was just like a habit of we will win this game and they have that mentality where no matter what happened because they went behind plenty of times that season and then came from behind which we've seen a few times this season as well which has been great not least against Fulham um so it's just about that confidence and just knowing coming into games knowing that no matter what happens how the game goes you've got a way to win the game like the Fulham game was a different way to win we didn't need Salah to bail us out of jail like he does so many times probably he did get an assist still um, so it's still it's still involved somehow, but um, yeah, we did we managed to come back a different way. You know, Endo just getting his first Premier League goal from nowhere and things like that. You even look before Klopp, like remember the thirteen fourteen season where that team just won eleven in a row, the Suarez, Sturridge, Sterling team, and and it was just that roll of momentum um, that that allowed Liverpool to get to a title challenge, and that's what we need to build this season if if you want to be up there so it's exactly that it's just doesn't the, the performances really aren't as important as just get the wins just get the wins yeah i think that's a perfect place to leave and again yeah it's it makes me a little bit more excited but a, yeah a little bit more nervous for tomorrow night as well when you when you're delving into numbers and you yeah, it's not it's not good reading so far but the only way liverpool can fix that is by going on the field and actually doing doing the business and hopefully yeah, hopefully tomorrow night's one of them where we just yeah, doesn't matter. Just forget it. Just get get over the performance. Just get just get the win. Any means necessary. Hopefully we exactly. don't do it. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there, Mike. Thanks as always for jumping on. I appreciate you taking the time to jump back on. We'll have to cheers, uh, Mick. We'll have to keep keep up the um this season, especially because we I think last season we've done quite a quite a few when Liverpool were smashing it end of last season. But if we yeah. if Liverpool can get like I said, get a bit of momentum going, then these shows can just kind of roll off the tongue a little bit easier and hopefully <laughs> yeah, throw exactly. a few more random footballers in there like um, a few more ego biscans as well yeah it put, put in the comments a name of a random player you want me to get in a stat and I'll do my best <laughs> see if I can find <laughs> a way 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I love just having your number because I'm like, if something happens, I'm like, right, it's the only way I can find out this. And I was like, I can't. I can just, I'll just text Mike and he'll tell me within like three seconds. Um, but yeah, thanks, Mike, for jumping on as always. Appreciate Cheers, it. Mate. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate the support. And yeah, we'll be back very soon with another shot stats show. And we'll see you all very soon. Ta da. I'm Jamie Carragher, and you are listening to the Copite Podcast. Podcast Network.